We've been studying spirit, soul, and body. Tonight I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Kings. We talked about walking in the Spirit. We've talked about the ways of developing the reborn human spirit. Then we, the last couple of days we've talked about development of the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions of a man. And we've talked about the fact that the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it is alive. Now, in that fourth chapter of Hebrews, give me license here just a moment to paraphrase a little bit. Now, you won't find this worded just this way in any other translation that I know of. We'll call this Copeland translation right here. But in, in order to, for you to get the full impact of what that scripture said, which you remember what I'm talking about, Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is quick, powerful, more powerful than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder the soul, the spirit, and the joints, and the moral. It is alive. The word is a living thing. The Greek text literally says the word of God is a living thing. It is alive. It's a living thing. It is powerful. Now, it is alive and it is powerful to do these things. It is powerful to pierce. It is powerful to divide the spirit, the soul, the body, or the joints and the marrow. So now, what he's saying there is this, this living, powerful word will produce power in the spirit, it will produce power in the soul, and it will produce power in the joints and the marrow. The Word is powerful in all three realms of existence. Now, before we even dig into this tonight, let me remind you of a couple of very basic things. I want to get your mind over on, on God's Word flowing in the direction God's Word goes. Spirit Word creates physical things. Don't you remember that? A Spirit created all matter. How did He do it? With the words of His mouth. Let there be and there was. Amen. Now, can physical words, can the Word of God, I say physical words, I, that's wrong. Now, I, I, I said that in the framework of the physical world that it's working in. Words are physical, but God said and Jesus said, my words are spirit and they're alive. But now can those words become Physical. Can they be flesh? Now, God created a flesh man in the Garden of Eden. He took the dust of the earth and created him with his hands. But do you know there wasn't any life in that thing? It's just a hunk of meat and bone. And as I told you before, when we were studying the creation of man... Uh, when we first started studying spirit, soul, and body, God showed me a vision of that to study it one day. And I saw that thing kind of gray looking and had its head hanging over this way. 
And God had hold of him by the shoulders and the Lord let me know. He said, see, if I were to turn him loose and drop him, he'd, he'd, the whole hunk of stuff just fall there on the ground. Wasn't any life in it. There was no life in him until the Bible said God breathed the breath of life into him. God inserted his life into him. All right, now then, we have this, this creature standing here. And the law of Genesis says, now from now on, he must produce after his own. But then he commits high treason. Now then, he gets the earth and everything around it and everything in it out of the hands of God. And gets it over into the hands of Satan, God's enemy. Now what happened? There was to be born in the earth a physical body. Every bit as physical as this one of Adam's because the Bible said it was the image of that one. But yet it was not made out of the dust of the earth. It was made out of the word of God. For the word became flesh. Ha, 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 on the devil. And dwelt among us. Praise the Lord. See, it was the word that said, let there be. And this planet came into existence in the first place. Praise God. That body, that magnificent thing that that man was wearing was made out of the word of God. Now, don't that just kind of zap you? <laughs> It does me. And I get things about it, I think, boy, I don't know much about that, but what I do know sure is something in it. <clears throat> just, to, just to realize that my God's word would do that. Just to realize that the word of my father would do that. Now, do you recognize how sharp and how powerful and how piercing that word actually is when it's working even in the environment of the flesh body of men, praise God, that his word would produce a body that Jesus dwelt in and walked the shores of Galilee, praise God. And it was not a body that was not really, it really was. And God proved it at Calvary because it died, hung there and died, hung there just as mortal and just as dead and just as sin-ridden as any man that had ever committed sin. The only thing he was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. He wasn't any less man. If anything, he's more man than any man that ever walked. Not half man, half God, all man, all God. Praise the Lord. Now you begin to get a hold of something, what the word can do, where the physical body is concerned. Well, certainly it's the word of the living God. It is living where a man's spirit is concerned. It is alive where his soul is concerned. But praise God, it's alive where his body is concerned. Now I want to show you something in the book of Kings. This, this really got to me in the 18th chapter. You probably remember the situation. This, <laughs> this prophet called Elijah... This guy's a man after my own heart anyway. He wasn't too religious, but boy, he sure was tough. Woo! Man, alive was he something else. Told him it wasn't going to rain anymore, and it didn't. And the king, you know, old Ahab came out there, and, and you know what Elijah told him? said, go down and tell him Elijah is here. 
Go tell that king Elijah is here. <laughs> oh, man, you know, he didn't call for an appointment. He said, go tell him Elijah's here. <laughs> and uh, he, and Ahab come down there, you know, and said, uh, oh, oh, are you our problem? Are you Israel's problem? He said, and, uh, and uh, old Elijah, you know, instead of saying, uh, sir, I realize you're the king and uh, I may be. I'm just an humble little country boy. I wear these funny looking clothes because I'm not too rich. I don't know. Maybe I am your problem. You know what he said? No, he said, I'm not your problem. You're your problem. He said, you and, you and that Baal God you've been worshiping, he said, as your problem right there. He said, I'm not your problem. God, not your problem. He said, you got yourself into this mess. But he said, the times come to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black. I'm in the 45th verse. The heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Now see, bless God, it hadn't rained for three years. That old man said it wasn't going to rain, didn't rain. He said it would rain. It rained this afternoon. You know, even though there wasn't a cloud in the sky. He just said, well, bless God, it'll rain. And went on up there and climbed up on top of the hill and just sat down up there and told that other old boy, said, well, just watch for it. It'll rain. Wasn't a cloud in the sky. Anywhere. And said, the Bible said he just flopped himself down on the ground and put his knees between his head and said, it'll rain. <laughs> you know, and the guy run back up and said, well, there is one little cloud creeping up out of the sea about the size of a man's hand. Now, that's not much of a cloud. You know it. <laughs> then it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind. And he'd already told that king, he said, you better saddle up your chariot. You better saddle up, buddy, and get back to the house on account it's going to come some kind of rain. You know, and the king didn't know what to think about the guy. I mean, there's not a cloud in the sky. And here he tell him, said, you better get on. You better get to the house. You know, you better get on up there now because it's going to come, a, you know, like some of us would say down here, it's going to be a frog strangler. You better get on. <laughs> there was a great rain. Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Now, you know that Ahab was king. You know he wasn't right. You know that chariot he had wasn't pulled by a couple old plugs. Don't you? These fellows had some horses that were really something. Look at what it said in 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. He just outrunning. I can just see him. Prayer just grabbed his britches and here he went. Praise the Lord. And now what do you reckon that king thought and that guy come blazing by him out there? He thought, whoo, we better get to the house, mama. You know, and got on with outrun him horse now. Said the hand of the Lord was upon him. That wasn't his spirit running down that road. <laughs> it wasn't his soul running down that road. It was his body. And this spirit man is on the inside of it, soul and all, just uh, charging off down that road. Did you ever stop and wonder how some of them old guys did that? Hmm? Did you know that this was part of what the prophets 
so earnestly wanted to be here when it happened because they had seen into the fact that the day of Pentecost was coming when all the whole of, of God's congregation would have the right to have the power from on high come on them and they figured the whole bunch of you would be Samson, every one of you. We should have been. We are. We just have neglected to find out how to use that. Now don't tell me you can't do it because the Bible said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's what he said. The hand of God was on him. Do you suppose God's got one hand full of power and the other and won't do anything? It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Why, you can outrun your sicknesses and diseases just exactly like Elijah outrun those horses. Chat and all. You can get so far out on the word of God and charging so far and so strong on spirit power in the physical body. Bless God. That the devil have a hard time catching up with you and when he did, he wished he hadn't. Now that's the way it ought to be. Amen. Let's turn over a few minutes here. Let's, let's read something there. Let, let's look over to the book of Mark. Chapter 5. Something very interesting here. They came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. When he was come out of the ship immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces and neither could any man tame him. Now look at there in the seventh verse. He cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God, thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. An unclean spirit. A demon spirit. And this man was physically stronger than the chains and the fetters that had been wrapped around his body. Now you know he was not naturally that strong, was he? This indicates to us that that unclean spirit was the one that was causing that. You know it and I know it too. Somebody said, I thought it was all those 2,000 demons. Well, they had a good deal to do with it. But there was one spirit, one evil spirit in charge of this man's body. He was filled with a bunch of them. But let me tell you people something. This man's physical body was responding to spiritual power. That was not just muscle power. He wasn't that kind of a man. He wasn't all that kind of a, a, a giant of a human being that no chain could hold him. There was spirit power being unleashed in a physical body. Now somebody said, yeah, but there's 2,000 demons in there. I don't care if there's 122 million of them. They'd all of them put together, not big as the Holy Ghost. I don't care all the demons in hell and all their cousins and half everything else you can locate not powerful as he is. He's more powerful in one than that whole bunch put together. He could destroy the whole mess with just one, just one breath of his mouth. Would have if man hadn't been involved in it. Would have. Amen. 
He chased them all out of heaven, didn't he? Well, why didn't that 2,000 jump up and tear him apart and go ahead and take God's throne? No way. No way. Well, look what kind of spirit you're filled with. Now, folks, if we're dealing with something here that's fantasy and not available, if we're dealing with something here, if we've just about scratched into something we don't have any business messing with, if we're just beginning to deal with something that men don't have any business with, then I'll tell you right now, the devil's greater than God and the old covenant's better than the new one. Because you find men all the way through that old covenant under the power of God. There was one man took his sword in his hand and slew 800 men in one day's time, praise God. And when he got through, they couldn't anybody understand how he did it. But his sword was frozen into his hand and the man was nearly frozen stiff. But the power of God came on him. And here's Elijah down by the, by the brook that afternoon. And they had all those men that worked for Jezebel, all those guys. 400 men down there, praise God. And he slew them all with the sword. Now you started just to stab 400 times would be enough to wear you out. Now you know those fellas didn't just stand there and say, me next. <laughs> I believe it happened just exactly the way it was written. And then here comes Samson, the jawbone of an ass, and wades through the entire expeditionary forces of a major government. And you know what the Bible says? That the new covenant is a covenant of greater promises. It's in there. It's in there. I think maybe me and you better get studied in this a little bit, don't you? I can see where in this day and time there is a place for some superhuman Christians that don't back off at nuclear warfare, that don't back off at the instruments of war of men, praise God, that don't back off from preaching the gospel at anybody, but just go on anyhow, praise God. Now, I'll tell you what, if you just check and find out and do your little bit of study of just some recent history, I mean just as recent as since 1948, you will find some of these feats done in that six-day war. You will find some Jews in this day and hour that did some things that were absolutely unreasonable, like seven men, seven men, seven men stood off a whole brigade in the old city of Jerusalem. Just seven of them. Just seven of them. Well, what do you think he'd do for a man that's born again and filled with that spirit? He said, I'll walk in him. I will dwell in them. I'll be their God and they'll be my children. Just exactly like he did Jesus. Just exactly like he did Jesus. Now I want to show you something from the fourth chapter of John. Now, I'm letting you read along with me in most of these because some of you wouldn't believe this in your Bible if I just read them out of mine. So turn over there at the fourth chapter of John. We want to kind of walk a little bit slow in this as we go because we need to know. We need to know how these things happen. These are not just faith accidents. 
Elijah walked down there and he said before he, he stood down there before God and he had, he'd piled up all that big old sacrificial altar out there and, and you know, and went and did those boys one or two better. He didn't just put the sacrifice down on there to be burned. He dumped it full of water. He said, well, we'll find out. But then he stood there before God and he said something very, very interesting. He said, hear me, God, for I do these things at your word. Yeah. Now you read about Samuel. You read about Elisha. You read about Peter, John, James, and the men that did the great feats of God. And you'll find in one framework or another, you'll find the same words. I do these things at your word. Do you remember what Peter said to Jesus the day they started out there on that lake? And, and Jesus said, come on, we're going to go catch some fish. And he said, uh, he said, we fished all night long, didn't catch anything. But at your word, I'll go. And he liked to sunk his boat with fish. At your word, I'll go. At your word, I'll go. Now he acted on the word of Jesus another time and went out there and went fishing and pulled up the first fish, had money in its mouth. At his word, he did it. At his word, he did it. At the word of Jesus, he walked on top of that water. He said, if it be the master bid me come, he said, come out of the boat he got. The word come had enough power in it to cause the man to walk on the water. Now then the Bible said he saw the wind and that it was boisterous and then he feared and began beginning to sink, he cried, Master. See, he didn't even sink. He, he, he gave up before he, when he began to sink. Now, another thing I'd like to point out to you if I haven't already, if I have it, bear repeating. He said he saw the wind and it boisterous. He was afraid of it and began to sink. I'd like to know what the wind had to do with him sinking or walking. You tell me if it's calm enough, you go out there and walk across that swimming pool. <laughs> Don't give me that. The wind didn't have anything to do with him sinking, did it? Not a thing in this world. But you see, his mental, natural mind as a fisherman, the wind meant sink. So he got his mind off the word of God, which said come, and got it over on floating. He wasn't floating, he's walking. Amen. See, he was in a spiritual operation and he mixed it up with a physical one and he got off of the word of God and he began to sink and, and then he hollered and he gave up and Jesus reached and got him, pulled him out and they went back to the boat. All right, now watch this. Jesus said something here very interesting. Fourth chapter, John. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. Now, before he got to Sychar, you have to realize the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard Therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. He left Judea, departed again into Galilee. Now he walked down there. He was walking. He didn't ride, he walked. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. 
Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. It didn't say he drank from it. It said he sat on it. He sat down. Now he'd walked far enough for his body to be weary of the journey. So now you can see right now that his body wasn't some kind of phony body. Can't you? It wearied, see. It was a physical body. It wearied. He, he wearied from the journey. But now he didn't drink any water. He sat down on that well. Now watch this carefully. I want you to get the mental picture of what's going on. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Now why, bless God, didn't he reach over and get the dipper and get him some himself? Why would he do that? You have any idea? He was ministering. He was ministering. As she gave to him, she put herself in position to receive the reward of a prophet. And he put her in that position, knowing that she was a no good woman as far as sin and all that kind of thing is concerned. He knew who she was. He knew her life. Spirit of God revealed it to him. He operated in it. But see, he put her in a position of receiving and she didn't even know it. Glory to God. He had her on his mind more than he did him. He had his ministry on his mind more than he did his own weary body. He was ministering. He was working. He was operating by faith, listening to the Spirit of God in order to get her into a, a position of receiving from God. And he knew what it would take to do it. Praise God. She gave a prophet a drink of water, got her over in a position where she could receive the prophet's reward. He said that himself, didn't he? You give a prophet as much as a drink of water, then you shall receive his reward. All right, now, remember that. He, he didn't go into that city and mess around in there. He sent to some other guys in there. He's fasting. We're going to find out in a minute. He hadn't eaten anything. He is ministering. He's giving. The disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat to buy food. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew ask me drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans? Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith to him, Sir, thou hadst nothing to draw with, the well's deep. From whence hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now you remember he said it another time, out of the belly shall flow rivers. Out of the belly shall flow rivers of living water, living force. I want to remind you 
that in the book of Proverbs, very plainly in the fourth chapter, the 24th verse says, diligently protect your heart, for out of it flow the forces of life. 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 The force of life. God breathed it into Adam to start with. Hallelujah. And he said, if you'll drink of him, that that force will flow out of your belly. Well, what for? What for? This will make you feel good at church once in a while. That's about all it's been used for a lot of times. What for? To live the superhuman, superpowered, supercharged missionary life of a believer. Glory to God on this side of heaven. Praise the Lord. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. It'll do the job in heaven without any effort. It's on this side of the thing that it needs to work powerfully. Amen. You begin to have that power flow out of you. Now, what I want you to see from this is that Jesus is nourishing this human body from his spirit within him. Now, the natural way to feed this body is through the mouth with physical food. And God intended that's the reason he put it in the forth. But there's a higher way to do it. And at times of ministry, times when it's needed, times when it's necessary, there is a way to feed the strength and the power, the living life that's inside the reborn spirit man, anointed by the Holy Ghost, and flow that into this physical body and nourish the thing with it, praise God. Nourish it with a power that's more powerful than anything else on the face of God's green earth. Nourish that physical body. Jesus said right here about it. There's a conversation went back and forth. He said, The hour cometh and now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is coming, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said, I that speak unto thee am he. Boy, he's still ministering. He's pouring out of himself power. Verse 27, Upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why takest thou with her? They didn't question him about it. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me. And she said several things in there. In the meanwhile, verse 31, In the meanwhile, while his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. Now they came back with the food. They went to town, bought the groceries. And came back with the food, see? And they said, hey, you know, while she's gone, let's eat. Listen to what he said. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Hmm. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him anything to eat? Jesus saith unto him, My meat, my food, My nourishment is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He's feeding off of God's word. Feeding off of the will, the word of his father. Feeding off of it. Can you imagine such a thing as that? 
Can you imagine a man that's more powerful in his spirit man than he is in his physical man? Now, we haven't known many men like that. But here's a man that the spirit man within him is more powerful than the physical man instead of the physical man being stronger and dominating the spirit man. But this reborn man, you on the inside there, that man inside there, once he learns to operate on God's Word, will be stronger than the flesh man and you can operate in such a way on the Word of God to cause the power of God to rise up in you and nourish this flesh when it's needed to minister. Now he didn't just stop right there. He went ahead and preached that meeting, praise God, having not eaten anything. Went ahead and preached it. Went ahead and preached the whole thing. A lot of people believed on him. They came out there and said, we believe because that woman come in here and God said, boy, now we believe because of what you said. So his word had some power, didn't it? Praise the Lord. There was some power in what he said. His preaching was strong. It wasn't weak like a man hadn't eaten anything. His body was strong enough to preach, strong enough to minister to those people. Praise the Lord. Now, Proverbs 14.3 A sound heart is the life of the flesh. Did you get that? A sound heart, a sound spirit is the life of the flesh. Do you remember what the Word says? Now, He sent His Word and it healed them. Can you see the operations of that? Can you see the operation of the Word of God going into a man's spirit and feeding that inner man and then coming forth as the faith of God and making alive his physical body? Sure, operating from inside here. Now, there are special manifestations of God's grace. There's power when, when men called of God, anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, and lay hands on you, and God does special manifestations, and God did special miracles at the hands of Paul. You remember that in the 19th chapter of Acts? And God heals men's bodies. And the power of God come on a man's body from the outside and come on that body to heal it and make it whole. But God's absolute best is for this reborn man on the inside to be taught and trained and nourished and built until he is strong and walk in divine health with his body so alive. Thank God that Satan can't stick that sickness and disease on him to start with. Divine health. Somebody said, well, we all got to go sometime. I didn't say anything about you dying. I just said about being sick. That's two different things. Some of you think you got to be sick to die. That's wrong. I've seen well people die. I've seen a couple of them I prayed for. God healed them and then they died. Moses wasn't sick when he died. Enoch wasn't sick. <laughs> Was he? That's <laughs> that, you know. Man, you know, gone from here. Elijah certainly wasn't sick when he left here, was he? Huh? No. I said, well, I thought it was appointed unto every man a time to die. That's not what the Word says. The Word says it's appointed unto every man once to die. 
And that's exactly what's going to happen to you when, when that time comes. And that's exactly what's going to happen to me when that time comes. But there's not any of Satan's sickness, sin, disease, or fear is going to take me as long as that Bible says I'm redeemed from the curse and himself bore my sicknesses and carried my disease. That's not the way I'm going. That's not the way I'm going. Thank God I get through with my job. The Lord will either have to come or if he, if he waits longer than that, then he'll just have to come get me. That's all. Old E.W. Kenyon, bless his heart. His daughter said this to Kenneth Hagin. Said, <laughs> said, Daddy came in and ate a big breakfast. Said he hadn't been sick in over 30 years. Came in, ate a big breakfast, over 80 years old. Got through. He said, Sister, I'm going home today. <laughs> I'm going home today. Matter of fact, he said, I'm leaving at 10. Went in there in the living room and sat down in his old easy chair and sat back and started praising God at 10 o'clock and he gone. <laughs> Left that old flesh body sitting there and went on to be with the Lord. Gordon Lindsay, bless his heart. Gordon Lindsay, not a sick bone in his body for years and years, years. You know who I'm talking about, Christ for the Nation, Dallas, Texas. Just this year. Finished his ministry. Called all of his family together. First time they'd all been together in years. Carol came back from, from Israel. Now, and the boys come together and all the grandkids and they went down and had to, had to get together on the lake and spent a weekend down there together. And he called in his wife and told her, said, uh, I've got enough manuscripts written up here to publish a book a month for the next three years. I've already written them and the manuscripts are already there. Had all of his business and affairs in order. Sunday morning service, sitting on the platform and just laid his head over and went on home. Not a sick bone in him, praise God. You ought to have been at that funeral. Praise God, a praising hallelujah good time. A man had graduated and you know he didn't cost anybody a quarter. Nobody had to rake up a bunch of hospital bills and pay weeks of disease money. Satan just didn't get a dollar out of it. <laughs> Went home gloriously like he should have. That's the way the saints of God ought to go. My great aunt liked to die and we went to the hospital and prayed over her. And uh, God raised her up good old Baptist woman. Praise God. And, and uh, I came in there. She, the doctors already walked on and left her to die. And, and the, her pulse was just barely detectable, if any. I couldn't find any when I went in there. It was a little bit after the doctors been in there. I walked up there next to her bed. And God reminded me then. In fact, he reminded me an hour before that on the way up there. He said... Uh, he that's within you is greater than he that's in the world. And he reminded me, he said, her spirit is not asleep. That's that physical body and the physical mind, the carnal mind that's asleep in that coma. And said, when you minister to people like this, he said, don't minister to that. Don't talk, stand and talk that, that lifeless body. He said, speak to the spirit of the man because the spirit of the man never sleeps. And I, and I walked up there next to her. And uh, she is laying there, the eyes shut. Just, just look, she looked dead to me. 
And I walked up there and uh, the Lord said, read to her the last part of the 33rd Psalm. And I did. He said, read the first part of the 34th Psalm. I did. He said, read to her the 23rd Psalm. I did. He said, now minister words of life to her. And I just simply said, ain't I? I minister words of life to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And then the Lord said to me, just as plain as I'm talking to you, he said, now say this to her. Open her, tell her to open her eyes and praise the Lord. I said, ain't I? Open your eyes and praise the Lord the Lord. Her eyes popped open like this on, spring, on springs. She said, praise his holy name. And I don't know that old Baptist lady wasn't used to doing that. <laughs> she said, praise his holy name. And looked up there and said, Kenneth, where'd you come from? I said, I just come down here to pray with you, ain't I? Mama said, look at that thing right there. The big old knot. She was a very slender woman and, and, and right here she was elderly, 70 something, 73 or 4, something like that. And there was a, a swollen place right in the middle of her chest, just the upper part of her stomach there. And they said it's a gas pocket of some sort. Ah, they told me, you know, what it was. Mother said that's the, been the problem with her. She hadn't been in physical condition for them to operate on her, and that thing's just choking the life out of her. I laid my hand over there, and I said, now you be gone in the name of Jesus. And that thing just like that was gone. She said, oh, wonder what happened to that. <laughs> and it was gone. It just gone. She was well. Just as well. Got off there and went home. Well, now you see, that dear old woman had known Jesus Christ for years. Born again. Washed of the blood of the Lamb. She could have gone on home right then and called it a full life. That old woman got healed. And got turned on to God. I mean turned on, got strong, became a good testimony, became a testimony to her daughter, became a testimony to the people around her because she wouldn't go off and live in those other places. She wanted to go home. Strong enough to go home. Strong enough to live at home. Never did have any problem with that anymore. Went right on, right up till the day my mother was driving down the road one day and the Lord spoke to her and tell her, go, go by and see Eileen. She had already lived another couple of years after that now. And mother went by there to see her. And she was sitting there in a chair and she, she told mama, she said, uh, she kept talking about the Lord and said, told mother, said, oh, he, he's so close. He's so close. Mother said something to this effect about him, about the Lord or something. She said, oh, I've been seeing him for days. Been seeing him for days. She said, not I want to go in my, my own room. Went on in there. Wasn't sick. Wasn't a bit sick. She's old and slow. Not a thing in the world wrong with her mind. Not in some coma. Shoved off in a corner by people to die. On her own, praise God. She said, I'm going back there in my, my bedroom. Mama took her back there. She got up there in the bed. Smile on her face. Seeing Jesus. Began to speak with other tongues. And just she began to speak with other tongues. She just went on home. Isn't that better? Isn't that better? Two years of testimony and witness to what God's able to do, even though, bless her heart, she still didn't know much about spiritual affairs. But what a testimony that blessed old woman was. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. Are you following me? Are you seeing what I'm talking about here? There was enough spiritual power. There was enough in the life of that spirit on the inside of her that when it was fed the word of God, it jerked those eyes open. Praise God. And lifted her up out of there. Jerry Savell and I stood right across from one another across a, 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 an ambulance couch where they had a man strapped in that thing and he was having a hard seizure on average every five minutes. And they had to strap him in there to hold him to the thing. And he'd just nearly tear those straps apart. He'd come up in the middle and then five minutes later he'd do it again in coma for weeks we stood there and talked to the man I wasn't particular I spoke to that body I commanded that thing in the name of Jesus to get right but we Jerry and I both stood there and as we prayed I, I read the word to him and, and spoke words of faith and healing to the man I'm talking to the man on the inside of that body See, that spirit man feeds on the word of God. He feeds on that life that's poured. Jesus said, if you'll drink of this water, it'll, it'll flow everlasting. A stream will flow out of there, praise God. Some of you need to go to the well. Go to book and feed on the water, praise God. We spoke that man. They rolled him out of there. I told his wife what the Lord told me. I said, put the word of God in his room. If you're not reading it, turn it on tape. And the Lord spoke to him and said, give her the tapes on the New Testament to do it. And I did. And gave her a tape recorder. And they took it home. Set that thing up. Now, I got a notice in the mail a few weeks later that this man was going to be the next speaker at the Kansas City Full Gospel Business Fellowship breakfast, that he was the next speaker. And you know what he said after he came out of that coma? Those people had set the Bible in there and fed the Word of God to him and fed it to him and fed it to him and fed it to him. And after several days of that 24 hours a day, his wife didn't allow him not to be without the Word of God, just kept feeding it to him. See, the Bible on tape. And then she played some of our tapes and she'd read to him out of the Word of God read to him and read to him and fed him the word and after three or four days there was a lady sitting there with him and the tape recorder was going and all of a sudden he just jumped up in the bed and said nobody knows the trouble I've seen she said bless God I believe it <laughs> see what happened can you see what happened it wasn't what they fed the man through his mouth that brought him alive doctors couldn't do it they tried had a tumor on his brain that was inoperable. They couldn't do nothing about it. It wasn't anything they could do. They would have if they could. They tried, couldn't do it. Sewed him back up and said, he's a dead man. There's no way. As far as a physical body was concerned, it was. He's a dead body. But I want you to know, that wasn't the man. The man I was talking to wasn't near dead. The man I was talking to was a born again, Holy Ghost filled man. He just didn't know how to feed on the word of God. And when he got some dinner in him, the well sprung forth. Hallelujah. And out of there he came. Are you beginning to see something? Let's go to the eighth chapter of Romans. I'm going to close it with this, I think. You'll just have to forgive me if I hold you too long tonight. Praise God. I was standing right there last night and I heard myself say, it's just exactly, I heard myself say, we're going to find out from the word how to feed this physical man, this physical body. I heard myself say, we're going to look at this in a little different manner. We're going to learn how to feed this physical body with spirit power. And I thought when I said it, boy, I can't hardly wait to hear how you do that. <laughs> I went home. 
See, I've learned not to be frightened with those things anymore. Thank God the Spirit of God said that. Well, then he can come on with the rest of it too. He can come on the rest of it just easy said that. So I got in there and began to pray about this thing. And the more I prayed about it, the more he began to show me and the more excited I got. And I got so excited this afternoon reading over this. If I preached all this stuff to you, I get it, it'd take plumb in the next month. Took me 30 minutes to get it. Takes 30 days to preach it. You know what I'm talking about? The revelation knowledge of the word of God. That's part of it. Jesus said, on this rock will I build my church. Revelation knowledge, knowledge revealed by the Holy Spirit is the force, power, faith-filled Word of God that flows inside of a man and it'll pay off in that physical body if you learn how to use it. Now watch this in the 8th chapter of Romans, verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. There's that word quick again. It's the same word we found over there in Hebrews 11. said the word is quick. He will quicken or make alive your mortal body. Mm. By his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And then he tells how to do it. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We're not walking by the dictate of the flesh. I am not a debtor to my body. My body rears its old ugly self up and says, we're sick. Bless God, I don't have to believe that. My body comes up and says, I'm so tired. I can't go over there and preach tonight. I don't have to believe that. No, praise God, I can turn right over there to the first chapter of Ephesians, the second chapter of Ephesians, and the third chapter of Ephesians. That Ephesians is going material. And in the first chapter of Ephesians, he said the power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead is the power that when you were dead in your sins and trespasses has he raised you up together with him and made him sit together, made you sit together with him in heavenly places by Christ Jesus. Made you alive with him. It's the same life that's on the inside of you right now that God used when he raised him from the dead. It's the same portion of it. The same life. It's the same life giving force. He's as dead as dead as dead could get. You're not that dead yet. Dead. D-E-A-D. Dead. Thank God raised him. God raised him from the D-E-A-D. Dead. And God hold you while your old physical body was walking around and exercised that same portion of spirit power into your inner man and you became alive together with Christ. Now it's in there and he's in there. As you mix the word of God in there and act on it and act on it and feed on it and feed on it and submerge that man in it. Jesus said, if your eye is single, your whole body will be filled with light. That's the word of God. And the word's powerful. It's no accident that it said that it would pierce asunder the joints and the marrow. The marrow of the bone is the life-giving source 
of the bone. Word power will go right into the very marrow of the bone. Now we're learning this in our, in our studies in the afternoon on fasting and prayer. And in that study, I will get into detail and show you how to feed that body with spiritual power. When a time when you're not even eating food. I've never been so turned on about anything in my life. I've used it for a long time, but I didn't realize exactly how sometimes until the last few years. I use it all the time. How many times did you guys say I paced up and down here? Y'all counted that the other night. How many times was that? What did he say? 134 times that I walked back and forth. Now they got up, <laughs> they counted them. And then got out here and measured the distance. How far is the distance? 32 feet? 30 to 33 feet, 134 times. I don't know how many feet that is. But I don't care nothing about standing up here for an hour and a half and doing it out from under the anointing of God, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Wear me out. And there are times I realize now that as I pray for people, there, there's been some times when I have prayed and expended the spiritual force that's in me and the anointing of God poured through this body so much and so strong. Up there in, in uh, Madison, Georgia the other night at T Tennessee, uh, uh, Georgia Christian camp, I invited the people that had back trouble come up on stage, be healed, and the power of God hit the thing so just everybody in the congregation come up there. Before it's over with, I prayed nearly all of them, about five, six hundred of them. Well, I'll tell you what you do. Go over there and stand up against that wall and stick your hand up against it six hundred times. That'll wear you out. Much less the power. Sometimes the power comes through me so strong, I can hardly stand it. My physical body doesn't want to hold up under it. And I'm that way right now. My, like like uh, Daniel said, the comeliness or the strength in my knees seemed to all go out. That anointing power gets strong on me sometimes. I, if, I, if I did, if I just yielded to it, like you do when you prayed for, I'd spend half my time laying on my back up here. Because <laughs> of the power that's on me. But what I'm saying to you is that I go through and pray for that many people and just be absolutely, just completely washed out and walk out the back door of that auditorium and headed up toward my little old cabin up there where we stand. And time we got up there, I just felt like, bless God, just go some more. I am stronger right today in my physical body than I was when I was 16 years old. And I'm 36. And I got news for you. Caleb was stronger when he was 80 than he was when he was 40. The Bible said so. His eye was not dim. Neither was his physical body abated and his strength was strong. Hallelujah. <laughs> that old man, praise God. Where do they get that kind of strength? How do you operate that way? That old man operated on the word of God. That's how he did it. I preached and people say, I don't see how you do it. I, I don't see how you preach that long. Well, I couldn't. There was one time I couldn't stand up here 10 minutes. There was a time when I couldn't even sit still 10 minutes. But now, when you begin 
to saturate the spirit man on the Word of God. And you begin to deliver it out. The more you put out, the more you have to put back in. The more you put back in, the more you put out. And the inner man is built and developed. Now you transfer that power to this physical body by standing firmly on the Word of God and moving in action on that Word and another way. The other way that you do it, it is a twofold action. Another way you transfer that inner man's spiritual power to this physical body is through the confession of your mouth, not only the Word of God, but in other tongues. The Bible said when a man prays in unknown tongues, he edifies, he charges himself. There's been times I'd preach. I've preached as much as 11 hours straight through without stopping. More than one time. More than once. Preach right straight on through. Power of God hit me one night in the West Indies. Uh, there, there's a woman that died up in the house and they'd found her dead body up there. And I was standing down, oh, farm hit that balcony from the house. And, and, the, and it was way up on the side of the hill. The house set up as high as the top of that ceiling there from the bottom of the mountain. And there was a, a group of rocks that went up and it was a, the man's house was about halfway up the the mountain. It's built out on the side of it and there was a rock trail just big rocks had been stuck in there for a makeshift kind of a stairway of a thing. And as we walked out there, I just got through preaching the word of God. Now I preached the day before I went over there, I preached uh, nine, a little over nine hours that day in Shreveport, Louisiana. The next day I caught a jet and flew over there and preached that night when I got there. And the next day I started in at 10.15 and preached until five o'clock that afternoon in one spot. And they, they picked me up there and they stopped me. Come in there and said, you got to stop here. They're waiting for you up there. So they got me there and I went up there and preached the evening service up there. I had preached two full days straight through. Now, I can't physically do that. I can't physically stand up here and talk for eight, nine, ten, fifteen hours at a stretch without hardly even a glass of water. But you can when that man on the inside is raised up delivering the word of God and the anointing of God's on you. And I got out of that the next day we went up and down the road. We walked for miles the next day uh, praying for the sick in each one of these little old jungle houses down through that thing. And the next night was the situation that I'm telling you about. Now that's the kind of physical thing we'd been going through. And I wasn't sleeping any at night. Those stupid dogs over there bark all night long. They're trained that way. And I noticed the minute I'd blow out my lamp... You know, and there's about six of them, and particularly one old big old brown old big old fat dog. Just get right out by my window and just beller his brains out. Right out, oh, I submit that dog. I hadn't slept in three nights, preaching seven, eight, nine hours a day, and that thing hollering all night out there. And in the morning, he'd come in there and lay down in the middle of the hallway there where it was cool. Had a breeze. They'd built that house on the side of that mountain where the breeze had come through there and that old dog lay down that breeze and sleep. I come by there the second morning. He's laying. I said, no, bless God. You're not either. But bam, boy. I got him up. He stayed up all day with me. All day long. I don't sleep. He don't sleep. He sure didn't bark much the next night. But you know, I preached the next day. Stopped him, but it didn't stop me. 
Now, standing out there on that road, it is so dark in the Caribbean. <laughs> Man, it's dark as the inside of a barrel. You know what I'm talking about. You can't see. I mean, you can't see nothing. You stand out there and you, it makes you wonder if you're in a box. <laughs> you can't see. It's that dark. And there was mountains all the way around the scene. You could kind of look up in a little hole there. You can tell which one was the sky. But it, it's dark. I never saw such a dark place in all my life. And I was standing there and that woman was screaming. She'd scream and come down the road and run down back road again. Knock the fella over there standing next to him. We didn't see her. All we could do is hear her. And she run slap over him and, and headed back up toward the house. Well... You know how you are in a situation like that. I just stand there and just ding-lings everybody else. I didn't know what, what was going on. But then the anointing of God came on me. That anointing, the, the, the Bible said the anointing on the Christian, the anointing abideth within. Thank God he's in there. And the anointing of God's not something. It's a personality. It's the Spirit of God. And there's a fellow standing behind me, the flashlight. Only flashlight on the hill. <laughs> All I heard was the voice of the Lord say, Go! I grabbed that light. I didn't stop and think about it. I grabbed that light on the way to the house. I don't know what the fella thought about it. I couldn't see him. He's black too. I grabbed that flashlight and started out. I remember hitting that hill in the middle. I don't remember going up. I don't know whether I went up it or actually hit it in the middle. But I remember, all I remember about the side of that hill and that house was about as high as that ceiling there. I remember hitting that thing somewhere around the middle and the next thing I knew, I was standing in there. Well, 15 minutes later, that little old 18-year-old girl that had died some 30, 40 minutes to an hour before was alive again. Proof of the pudding's in the eating. She's in Bible school right today in Jamaica, studying for the ministry. Born with a deformed heart. <laughs> Not anymore, praise God. Can you see that anointing working on me? Can you see it's the same thing worked on those men? Now, now, how in the world would a man have the physical power to preach for hour after 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 hour day after day? And when I got over there, I'd been preaching for six and a half months, two services a day, except on Sunday, just had one service every day without a day off. Every day without a day off. Six and a half months come home and cranked up at it again you can't in the natural but brother if you'll put God's word in you and submerge yourself under it listen to it on tape listen to somebody preach it read it eat it chew it think it sleep it and praise God it'll break out in your mortal body and quicken it I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to close it I got a good friend bless his darling heart that old man when I preached in his church, he was nearly 80 then, about 70, let's see, 76, I guess, 77, somewhere along in there. <laughs> I, and he'd been pastoring that church for, I guess, 40 years. He was, his home's across the street, and he's digging around a tree. And he, he'd, uh, I, I, excuse me, I got the cart for the horse. He went over to the church. 
to have his morning prayer time. He got over there and he got praying, praising God. And he said he got speaking in tongues. And he said, I'd just walk up down here and speak with other tongues. And he said, seemed like I'd think, well, now, surely that's enough. My prayer time of the morning, about an hour, an hour and a half. And he said, I've got other things I need to do today. And he said, surely that's enough. And, and uh, he started to walk off. And the power of God got a hold of him and just stopped him right where it was. And he threw his hands up and got to praying in tongues again. Said he walked around there and prayed for about another hour like that. And the anointing of God was all over him. And he, he said, I got to walking up and down the front of that church. Now, I've seen that old man after he's 75 years old preach the gospel and run the aisles of that church and flat foot the platform. There's about four foot high off the ground. Flat foot it, 75 years old. Just preach the word all over that place, praise God. Walk to town and just praise God and have more fun. Wasn't a sick bone in his body. Wasn't a sick bone in his body. He didn't believe in it. Didn't believe in sickness. Now, he was sick when he was about 40 or 41 when he got saved. And God healed him. And he just stayed on the Word. Just lived it, praise God. Operated in it and worshipped it and walked it and slept it and ate it and talked it. And he finally got tired using those glasses and he pulled them off his eyes and stuck them up there one morning. He said, I'm a servant of the living God and I'm not going to use those anymore. He opened his Bible up and he said, okay, Lord, it's your turn. And he just stood there. He said, if you want me to preach to the people you've called me to be their shepherd, then you'll have to let me see my book. And just stood there. And stood there. And stood there. And stood there. About half of the Sunday morning service has gone by and he's still standing there looking at that Bible. People thought that poor old man's lost his mind. He just stood there. He said, now then. And read his text. <laughs> and from then on, praise God. Most of you know Hilton Sutton, don't you? It's his dad. From then on, he preached out of a little bitty New Testament about that big. He carried it with him in his pocket all the time. What he preached out of and he'd read it out here, and he'd read it up here, and he'd read it over here. He just had more fun with that. Well, this particular morning, he's praying in tongue, and he said, I got through, and he said, I thought, well, surely that's enough. And he, he said, I started out and got about halfway at the door of the church, and he said, my knees folded up under me, and I fell in the middle of the church floor, and he said, I started praying, crying out to God, crying in other tongues, crying in other tongues. And he said, I prayed for another hour, hour and a half. And he said, I did that, and I got up, and I thought, well, surely this is enough. And he said, my body was just it all but poured completely out. Got almost to the door and the power of God come on him again and he prayed another session like that. And he got up from there and he said, Lord, I'll not leave till you tell me to go. And the Lord said, well, that's enough. You, you can go on. He got on and he walked on over to the house and he had gone done some chores and he got around out there in the back and he's digging around a, a, a kind of an old cedar bush of a tree kind of thing and had his shovel and he's digging around in there like that and said he felt something on his leg and he did it that way and he comes around he's digging around here again he felt something again he, and he brushed it off again and then he heard the thing it's a diamondback rattlesnake right there he made two passes at him and couldn't get him spirit power he turned around and took that shovel just nailed him right there where he stood now that thing hit at him twice. 
and said he felt him. He 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 just barely feel. Said felt like something just brushed his leg like that. Well, he now you know that old diamond back ain't that bad a shot. <laughs> but let me tell you something. When the shield of faith is up, the Bible says it will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Am I preaching something not available to you and me today? If it's not available today, it never was available. Let's stand on our feet. Once again, I'll tell you this. You'll just have to forgive me for keeping you so long. But I'll tell you right now, I got to preach on me so bad. You're lucky. I can see in the Word where this kind of an anointing came on the people of God. The Apostle Paul, the anointing of God came on him, preached all night long. And the power of God was so strong that when that guy fell out of the window and killed him, he went down there and laid his body down on him and raised the guy from the dead. But did you notice? He laid his body on him. He laid his body on him. That Holy Spirit born again, man, faith, spirit, infilled word of God, power that's on the inside of that man was flowing enough that when he went down and laid his body on that old boy, raised him from the dead, bless God. In another place, they took aprons and claws from his body and laid them on people and evil spirits left them and they were healed of their sicknesses and their diseases. Then say they took them out of his soul they took him off of his body. <laughs> Woo! Glory. Mm-mm-mm-mm. What was he doing? Preaching the word. Preaching the word. Preaching the word. The word. The word that God was going for. The word was what's drawing that power. The word was doing it. That little woman with the issue of blood drew that power out of Jesus. What happened? Jesus said, Your faith has made you whole. What caused her faith? The Bible said, when she heard of Jesus. That's what built her faith. She heard the word concerning Jesus. Somebody told her about the Son of God. Hallelujah. And she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. Well, he said himself, said, your faith made you whole. She pulled that power out of him with her own faith. Praise God. And it's the same anointing, the same power, the same God, and the same operation. It's the same word. Mm. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Glory be to the Lamb of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Father, give us a glimpse of this. My, 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 my. What we have available in the body of Christ. Praise God. Yeah, the oh, yeah, buckets. The word of God come to me. And, and I heard him say this. I heard him say it. He said this. He said, men and women, men and women saturated with my word, exercising their faith, 
will be in this last revival, just seated in the congregation of some churches and all the people around them will go out under the spirit of God and nobody will know why. And the sicknesses and diseases in the congregation will have to get up and leave because of the spiritual power that's coming forth from them as they sit in those congregations and worship me. For this is the hour of power, saith the Lord, and people shall wonder and be filled with amazement and you'll open your mouth to those people and usher forth words that cause men to fall on their knees and cry for mercy in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they'll be saved and filled with the Spirit and you point your finger at them and they'll fall under the power of God. Just point your finger at them and they'll fall under the power of God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's praise God. Hallelujah. Mm. Oh, let's praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I will be worshipped, saith the Lord, in spirit and in truth. And my power will fall upon those that, that will issue forth my word and saturate themselves in my word and my sayings. And I shall give you a glimpse into millennial power, saith the Lord, and you'll know me in the power of the great resurrection. Hallelujah. Well, now I can kind of see what Paul was talking about when he said, Oh, to know him in the power of his resurrection. To know him in resurrection power. Resurrection power is that spiritual power issued into the life of a man, thank God. That's what raised Jesus' body up out of the grave was spirit power, see. Transformed that body. Resurrected it and transformed it. It didn't recreate it the same body. It had holes in the hands and everything, see. Same body. <clears throat> that's, that, that's that resurrection power. And that's what he was praying, to see him in the power of his resurrection. And that's exactly what you and I are going to see. I heard the voice of the Lord again. I heard his voice again. He said, you're going to see it as the apostle Paul desired to see it. You're going to see it as the other apostles and prophets of my kingdom have prophesied and said that it would. You are in the generation that will see this resurrection power displayed. And when it does, you will see limbs grow where there were no limbs. And you'll see eyeballs and sockets where there were no eyeballs. And there will be eardrums created in the very presence of you just simply as you speak forth the word of God. And it'll cause it to come to pass and men shall fall down made whole right before your very eyes and get up profoundly carrying forth out of their innermost beings praises under the living God and it'll be like the one out of ten lepers that came back and praised God with a loud voice and I said saith the Lord thy faith made thee whole 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 he said I replaced every eaten part of that leprosy body not just clean but made whole and you'll see them made whole. The glory wave of God that the prophets have waited for, that you have prayed for and watched for, is now upon this land, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's worship the Lord. To God be the glory and the praise forever and ever. Oh, the word.